Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another Future Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Juliet Lamar, and my guest today is Robin Farman Farmian. She is the author of the new book, The Patient as CEO. I'm super stoked to talk about all her adventures and things. How are you, Robin? Oh, I'm fantastic, and I'm really excited to do this podcast. I really like it. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to hear about your new book. Um, so let's dive right in. Tell me, hmm, where should we even start? Uh, you want to give me a short background on what motivated you to write the book? Absolutely. Well, first, just give you a little about me is I'm both an entrepreneur and an angel investor. And I wrote the book in order to be able to do my day job better, which is very high level business development for companies poised to impact 100 million patients or more. And uh, things like sleep apnea, diabetes and curing cancer. Now, the reason I decided to get into that line of work and what the basis of the book is about the patient as CEO is it talks about the convergence of how all these different exponential technologies are not only dramatically changing medicine over the next five to 10 years, but really putting the patient in the driver's seat. And that comes from personal experience. At the age of 16, I was misdiagnosed with an autoimmune disease that eventually led to 43 hospitalizations, six major surgeries, and three organs removed. Finally, at the age of 26, I fired my healthcare team, and this is about seven years after they'd taken out my entire large intestine, let me tell you, that is an organ you really don't want to remove. You, you, you know it's gone every single second of every day. 
And uh, so I fired my healthcare team, rebuilt it with healthcare professionals that worked with me as a colleague and a peer. I ended up getting diagnosed correctly, put on a medication called Remicade, and literally went into remission overnight, which means none of the surgeries I had were actually necessary. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad you are where you are now, but I, you know, that your story is really heartbreaking and frustrating, as you know, but it's also something that is not uncommon, unfortunately. Yes. But I look at it the other way. I look at everything from the opportunity point of view. So how can I take the tragedy of what happened to me in healthcare and really turn that around into making it something that was very positive? So that's what catalyzes me into really impacting 100 million patients or more. And I really am working on a company that's trying to cure cancer. You know, another one that's disrupting sleep apnea and another one that's doing inhaled insulin for diabetes. Right. So these are really big problems. So taking my tragedy and turning it into something positive to help save the world. Exactly. You're really I mean, you're not only giving back power to the patient, you you are empowering patients as well, just through you saying, hey, there's a positive outlook to this because the medical industry is scary and it's a big problem in many different ways. And so having someone who's saying, no, you have power. And we're going to get, get through this is good. I mean, this is this is what you need. Exactly. And really turning that victim God relationship on its head and telling the mm -hmm. patient, I understand you've been victimized by the healthcare system, by your insurance company, potentially by your doctor's waiting room. Right? But at the, you know, really at the end, you've been victimized by your own body. And so how do you turn that around? You are not a victim. You are really the one who is in control and you are the center of the healthcare team because you are the only one who needs to live with your body 24 hours a day, seven days a week, from the day you were born to the day you die. That physician you see 10 minutes once a year doesn't feel what you feel and doesn't live your life. So you need to be the one who is fully in control. That's what I tell everyone who has to go through something like this. I say, ultimately, it's your body. This is your life. Yep. You know, your doctor can do as much as they can, but you might be the 30th person they see, and that's not their fault. Absolutely. And it's not their job to be your babysitter. And I do understand mm -hmm. it's terrifying. I mean, the healthcare industry alone is terrifying. But then when you're sick and you're not feeling well, wow, it's, it's really a scary situation. So how do you take control in that in that regard? Because you're thinking, well, I have no education in, in healthcare. I don't know. I don't even understand how things work. I don't understand prices. But that's when you, you hire your team. So I liken it to the CEO of a corporation. You're not an expert in engineering, marketing, finance, legal, right? You hire the best experts, but you as CEO are an expert in where the company needs to go and a global view of the company. So your team reports back to you and together you decide what to do inside that company. But as CEO, you are the one who is ultimately responsible that that vision is carried out and that the company overall is successful. So I say pull that model into healthcare. The patient is the CEO and they build their team around them, whether that is nutritionists, physicians, nurses, chiropractors, or even health coaches, right, who can help coordinate everything for them. Oh, absolutely. So, all right, well, let's let's break it down. So you are, you know, you've been diagnosed with something or maybe you're just having some health issues or whatnot or a family member. You know, what what is the biggest hurdle for people that taking that first step? What do they do? How do people do it? Well, first of all, it's a mindset shift. Understand that you are the one in control. You are the mm -hmm. decision maker. The physician is not. The physician works for you, just like everyone else on the healthcare team works with you and for you, but they are not in control of you. So just that mindset shift really helps. 
and then start to build your team. Go and get your, your, your internist. It's one of the easiest things to do. And that is fantastic right now with things like virtual care and in-home medicine. We're seeing companies like Heal have primary care and it's literally same day appointments done in your home, right? Or things like One Medical, wow. which is a subscription model. And you can go to your primary care physician either same day or next day. And it's usually really close to you. And it's really no, no hassle healthcare essentially is what it's turning into. So start with your primary care. So we start with our primary care and, and just really start educating yourself about your personal issue would be my next step. Exactly. And one of the best resources for that are patient communities. And surprisingly, Facebook is really one of the, uh, the driving factors in this right now, one of the best places I go to get information. So I have a total colectomy, which means my entire large intestine has been taken out. And I have what's called a J pouch, which they rebuilt inside of me with my small intestine to essentially take the place. And that's what it's called. It's called a J pouch. You can't see it from the outside. You can only see it, you know, if you're a surgeon. Well, there's a really robust community on Facebook and I go to the J pouch pages and I ask other patients what they do for all these small different things that physicians don't think about, right? How do you deal with this in a minute by minute daily life? And that's where I get a lot of my information, other patients. And if you think about it, you know, I can't even decide where to go for lunch without consulting Yelp, which is just another community forum for for restaurants or businesses. Yep. So why wouldn't you why wouldn't you reach out to your community? to get information about a disease that, or a condition that is affecting those people specifically. Like a doctor can read as many books as they can, but they're never going to feel it. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And doctors are incredibly siloed. So they are experts in one small vertical because there's mm -hmm. that much information in medicine and healthcare. They just literally don't have time to even keep up with the sheer amount of research that's being done in their individual vertical. Like say they're an expert in breast cancer. They literally cannot even keep up with the amount of stuff going on in breast cancer, let alone medicine as a whole. So you need to understand how to use your experts and what they're experts in, right? Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, and I think that people get really caught up in, oh, my general doctor knows everything. But no, it's specialization, specialization, specialization. So for, for people who, who've got, you know, five or ten doctors, they're doing their own research. They're part of that doctor team. You're now on the team with the doctors. Yep, exactly. I was going to say it can get difficult uh, to coordinate and understand where you can go and get that paid for by things like your insurance company. And it has only happened in the past couple of years, but insurance companies are really getting proactive about this. So you can call them 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they are going to help you. They will stay on the phone with you for two hours, walking you through their website, finding different practitioners that are covered by your insurance, going over co-pays, and they even now for their high risk patients, I'm, I'm technically called a high risk patient because my medication every year is, is quite expensive. Um, so they check in on me once a month. They actually have a nurse caseworker uh, case who follows my case, calls me and said, Robin, are you able to get to your doctor's appointments? And if not, we will help you get there. We are gonna find some transportation for you and things like that. So use your insurance companies as a resource. Now, is that a special thing that people need to sign up for? Like, do they need to inquire about nope. that or should that just be offered? No, nope, it is just offered, especially if you have someone like United, which is the largest insurance company in the United States. You literally just call them up. It's part of your, of your, uh, your insurance plan. And 
companies like United have partnered with three or four different telemedicine platforms and they're advertising this. And I get an email once a week from my insurance company saying, do you need to see a doctor right now? Are you not feeling well? You can do one 24 seven virtually right now. Click here for doctors on demand and it's going to be just a copay and we're going to cover the rest for you. Wow, that is and that is something I had no idea about, and I think that I'm going to start using myself. Actually, I mean that that right there is taking a big headache out of a healthcare system for a patient. Just finding and exactly. getting appointments. Exactly, so, and you see, even just the transportation, Uber and Lyft have recently partnered with different healthcare uh, facilities and programs so that they can help get patients to their doctor's appointments if they can't afford to, or they don't have a car, or they're not mobile, or they're not allowed to drive, or what have you. Yes. I mean, the resources are out there, and I think that's the problem is a lot of people don't realize what is out there that they can utilize in their care because they, they get this victim, not victim, but they get they get in their mind of this, like, this is happening to me, uh, poor me, when really it's like, okay, right. if, my bo- if my body is a company, how do I solve these issues? Exactly. And just think of it like a car, right? You, you, mm-hmm. Your body is no different from thinking about it as a machine, right? You just need to go and get it checked up. You need to get things fixed early and repaired, right? So do that with your body as much as you do it with everything else you own. Yeah, 100%. So you're talk- you talk a lot about how technology is changing the healthcare system. And on a few of your, few of your speaking arrangements, you were talking about if you had just waited on your care, maybe technology could have been different. Yes, technology being hope, right? So if technology is hope, Meaning that right now, if you're an amputee um, and you've lived without an arm for 10 years, right, doesn't mean that for the rest of your life that you are going to get an incredibly, amazingly real-life looking limb at some point, right? So just understand Mm -hmm. that technology is moving so quickly that what seems like uh, a disease that either is not fixable or you're in a lot of pain or disabled, that doesn't necessarily mean the rest of your life anymore. Technology is moving so quickly that we are solving some of these big problems. So going back to when you were first, you know, you're a teenager, you probably one of the younger people that is in the room when you're talking with these doctors and they're giving you all this information and you're going through all these surgeries and all these hospitalizations. I mean, were you always the the CEO of your body? Like how did you how did you come to that yourself? So I wasn't. I was 16 when I first got diagnosed and I was in boarding school and my mom was a physician and my dad's a lawyer and I had a very healthy respect for authority of figures. That was just who Mm -hmm. I am. So I went into the hospital and I saw physicians as authority figures. So I did exactly what they said. And I and I thought they were essentially God and they turned out not to be. And I realized that at the age of 26 when Uh, They kept upping and upping my opioid dose. So eventually I was on 80 milligrams a day of methadone, which is a massive dose of opiates. Right, exactly. And that's how they were treating my pain. They're like, you're cured because we took out your large intestine, but you're in a lot of pain. And that's just what some patients go through after so much abdominal surgery. You're just going to be in this kind of pain for the rest of your life. You're going to be on opioids. And uh, they actually offered to surgically implant a morphine pump into my spine. So I could just be on oh my God. for the rest of my life. I know, exactly. I was <laughs> right. I was 26 years old. I was a shut-in. I could barely function. Like I, Taking a shower was a goal for me on a daily basis because it was that difficult on that level of medication and in the sheer amount of pain I was in. Well, that's the day when they offered that to me. That was the day I said, uh-uh. And I did a whole bunch of swear words, and I said, everyone is fired. 
And I literally <laughs> just never went back to any of those healthcare professionals. And that's what it is. You don't have to actually call them up and say, hey, you've done a bad job. I'm firing you. In medicine, all you need to do is just not go back. <laughs> it's quite mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. So I found a, <laughs> so I went home that night. I thought to myself, okay, I'm firing everyone. And I dropped my own methadone dose by 40% and essentially crawled across the floor for a week going through heroin withdrawal by myself. Oh. And uh, literally the day I dropped it by that much, and you have to understand, this is a very high dose and you're risking seizures at that point. But I said, my life, mm-hmm. this isn't worth anything, right? Like I'm not doing anything besides spending money on healthcare and basically not able to do anything. So I dropped it and, uh, and it was literally felt like the sun came out that day. It was amazing. I didn't realize how much of an impact it was having both on my emotional side, but just the sheer fact that I decided on that moment and took massive steps into taking control of my own healthcare, suddenly it felt like the whole world opened up for me. It was that big of a mind shift. And so I never went back. <laughs> And, you know, people, a lot of times, these prescriptions, they take them and, you know, they don't think that their doctors would give them something that could be so harmful, you know. And the the medical industry likes to put Band-Aids on things, such as your opioids with your pain, when that Band-Aid maybe isn't necessary <laughs> and clearly isn't. Exactly. I just need to be on the right medication and have a comprehensive pain management solution. And uh, I do actual talks on pain management now as well and uh, talking about how it's not a magic bullet. There is no one medication that is going to take away your pain. It is mindset combined with behavioral, combined with medication, combined with things like exercise and physical therapy. And all of that together can equal a successful pain management program. But up until now, the healthcare system has really just been using pills to treat people's pain. And it is it is very complicated and it is a business. It is a healthcare business. So without having to get into all of that, it you really just have to watch your own self because, you know, maybe opioids work for some people. You never know. Oh, and they do. I'm, it, they're actually fantastic drugs. I'm not anti-opioid at, at all. And I'm on a very small dose of tramadol, which is a very small opioid. And it's enough that in combined with exercise and sleep and all the other different things I do for pain management, it's enough to keep my pain completely under control, right? So opioids absolutely have definitely a huge place in pain management and especially in acute pain, but not at the level that we've been prescribing them and not at the doses that we've been prescribing them up until now. Exactly. And I love that you speak about, you know, it's a whole body thing. People think, oh, you know, I I have this issue that's happening to me. Once I fix that, everything will be fine. And they don't think that your mind controls everything. Your mindset and your mood affect your body. I mean, think about what stress does to people. And how stress can cause so many other things. And stress is all, you know, it's in our mind. It's, the, it's our attitude. So your attitude really does change everything. Oh, absolutely. I know uh, most of the time I'm pretty stress-free. I have a relatively stress-free life because I've created it in that respect and made sure that there weren't any negative people in my life. But every once in a while, I do get stressed out. And when I do, immediately my stomach starts hurting. Like it is actually mm-hmm. a direct pain caused by stress. And I'm like, wow, this is why I live almost a stress-free existence. That's fantastic. I, I think that's something that I strive to do, but fail at a lot. <laughs> it's hard to be stress-free. You really have to work at having a positive attitude. I think people think, oh, uh, you know, you just decide to have a positive attitude and you have it. No, it, it's work. It's work and it's daily work. And I've got lots of fun tricks from every single day. I send my close friends and family memes 
like literally. And that's all I do is I just text them some memes, but it makes me giggle every time I look at that same meme and send it to my friends and you've got the social connection and it makes them happy and giggle. And if I forget to do it for a couple of days, some of my friends text me and they're like, we missed your memes. Where are they? (laughs) But it's like literally incorporating that kind of behavior into your life all the time. Yes. And making a conscious effort every day, you're choosing, you're going to choose to be happier, choose to have a positive outlook, even if it doesn't seem real at the time, just by making that choice, you are taking a step forward. Absolutely. And when when you're making that choice, and if it's really hard that day to make that choice, do a fake smile. Literally hold a fake smile for 30 seconds, and you will literally see your mood start to shift because your muscles are, are activating certain things in your brain that actually trick you into being happy. So smile for 30 <laughs> seconds when you're not feeling like it. It works. <laughs> I love it. I'm just, I hope that all of our listeners are going to try that out. So what technologies are you most excited about that are coming into the medical field? Oh, there are so many. So one of the big ones blowing up right now is artificial intelligence. Now we're already seeing it being able to replace or, or help the physician on the healthcare team. Uh, things like radiology and pathology are based on pattern analysis. And that's one of the things that AI is best at, is pattern analysis. So we're already seeing it outperform radiologists and pathologists. But then when you're talking about AI in things like diagnostics or just being able to crunch the sheer amount of data coming off of things like genomics and the microbiome, it gets incredibly exciting. Give you a little story. Walmart, this is the world's largest you know, corporation as measured by revenue stream. And they have about half a trillion dollars a year. And so what they've done is they've taken 20 years of their back shopping data, right, consumer data, and they've layered it over 20 years of healthcare data because they are also self-insured and 1.1 million of their employees are here based in the United States under their insurance, right? So they had all of that medical records. Turns out if you change your laundry detergent one time in a year, you are 50 times more likely to have diabetes or prediabetes. That is mind-blowing, right? They were able, exactly, right? This is consumer behavior having a direct correlation to a very severe disease. That is crazy. Turns out, one of the first symptoms of diabetes or prediabetes is sensitive skin. And one of the first things that your physician or you will think of to do if you suddenly have body-wide sensitive skin is that, oh, you've developed an allergy to your laundry detergent or your laundry detergent has changed their formulary. Because consumers, we're we're people of habit. So if you go outside the norm on things like your dishwasher fluid or your laundry detergent, there's a change of behavior there for a reason. And so Walmart found out that it means that you're 50 times more likely to have diabetes or prediabetes. That's fascinating. Right? (laughs) (laughs) And so out of left field. But, you know, that's what thinking like a CEO brings you as well, is you think about things from different perspectives. You don't take the first answer or the second. You keep digging. Exactly. And then you you analyze all of the answers you get and you you see what floats to the top, right? (laughs) Exactly. So uh, so what else? So what about the, um, you work a lot in sleep anemia, is that correct? Uh, yeah, sleep apnea, but also, oh, you know apnea. what I do want to talk about? So I'm sleep apnea. But uh, one of the really cool things that is tied to artificial intelligence is virtual reality, because VR is actually mm. based on AI. And uh, I advise a company called MindMaze, which is based in Switzerland, and it has FDA approval for stroke and brain injury rehabilitation using virtual reality. So this is one of the things you're going to start to see over the next five years pop up in health clinics. 
VR for brain and stroke injury, for uh, phantom pain, for PTSD, anxiety, depression, uh, pain management instead of anesthesia. I mean, we are seeing a lot of different use cases for, for uh, virtual reality, and we're already starting to see it in the clinic. So over the next five years, that is going to explode, especially as the cost of virtual reality headsets and the computing processing power it takes to process those, to power them, is dropping in price. Just like microwaves, just like VCRs, they're dropping in price significantly. So over the next five years, we're going to see both wireless VR headsets in the home and in a price level that the average consumer is going to be able to afford. That's already cheaper than an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually reading a bit about uh, amputees and their phantom pains. And some old school doctors were using this this uh, mirror. It wasn't even technology, but it could be categorized as technology, where if they just had the mirror correctly so the amputee could see their working limb mirrored on the other side, and then they moved the working limb, it would trick their brain into thinking that the other one was also moving. And it was super effective for phantom pain and for locked locked limbs and, and whatnot. And that, I think that's just a mirror technology. You know, that's just using a mirror. So the yep. amount that we could do and accomplish with virtual reality would be phenomenal. This is That is exactly what the VR is based on. So exactly. Uh, we mirror image the one arm into the one that's not moving and or the phantom pain one. And actually with Mind Maze, they're able to turn off phantom pain with one use. One use done. Wow. It just rewires the brain. It tricks the brain into thinking something is real so that the arm exists again. And it's just so much more realistic in the world of VR than it is in the world of mirrors. Mm -hmm. Again, the brain is the most powerful part we have. Exactly. It is so powerful. You do not, yeah, <laughs> don't, don't disregard it. It's not your leg potentially that's hurting. It's what's going on in your head. 100%. I've read a lot about, about brain injury in that, in that regard. So as far as the stroke detection, because stroke is one of the leading causes of death and uh, being disabled in the U.S. So talk about those technologies a little bit more. What can we expect to see? Sure. So uh, right now we are seeing the Apple Watch is able to detect atrial fibrillation, I believe, with 97% accuracy. Uh, the AliveCore has a single lead EKG monitor that does the same, about 90%. Um, and so being able to catch things like atrial fibrillation right when it starts uh, can really be a big prevention in the world of stroke. And so we're seeing even more than, more than just a single lead. Companies like HealthWatch out of Israel have a 12 to 15 lead EKG monitoring shirt. This is a compression shirt. So what you can do is you can go uh, into the ICU and wear one of these shirts instead of a 12 to 15 lead EKG monitor with all of those wires. And then you can be sent home in that same shirt, right? Huh. <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah, exactly. You can, and so it's, in, it's inexpensive. It's a compression shirt, so it is able to accurately track your EKG on a second-by-second -second basis with real-time updates to your physician. So you can get out of the hospital significantly earlier, like literally days and days earlier, because you can do clinical-grade monitoring in the home with the EKG now. But this same shirt is just washable in the washing machine. So you take it off, throw it in the washing machine. Yeah, so what ends up happening is patients come there and, and you know, the sticky things don't stay on the right places or all of a sudden the heart thing they're having is no longer happening because now they're at the hospital. And of course, it's not happening. So this is allowing people the freedom to live their lives and still be communicating their problems to their doctor real time. That's, that's great. Exactly. And just like when you go into a doctor's office and you get your blood pressure, 
it's not actually an accurate reading because it's not done in your home environment where you spend all your time. You could have run into the doctor's office. You could just be slightly nervous or anxiety because you're in a physician's office. And that can give you an inaccurate blood pressure reading. But so the same type of thing with EKG. Doing this in the natural environment will give much richer data set that is more accurate to what the patient is going through on a daily basis. Absolutely. I mean, there is so much to talk about, and we could talk all day, but I want to send people over to your book. Where is the best place for them to find your book, and where can they find you and all your speaking arrangements? Sure. So I've had over 100 talks now in 12 countries. If you Google my name, I'm the only Robin Farm and Farmian on the planet or actually in the entire <laughs> uh, uh, universe. And I see you, my website is thepatientceo.com. You can find my book on Amazon and I am available on all of the major social networks. So just ping me through LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you'd like. That's wonderful. Robin, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. I had a great time. This has been Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast. We'll catch you guys later. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.